Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 234. And today's episode is a result of a poll that I put in on, on my Facebook page, that the Facebook page basically for this group of people, um, where I asked, what was real, what's your biggest challenge? What's your biggest difficulty in training your dog? And I think I had put out, I think, five uh, options, you know, what was most difficult. And then a couple of knowledgeable people added a couple more, uh, which people are welcome to do on there. And so it's been there for some weeks now. And it's interesting to see what the responses were. My disappointment was, my first response was understanding basic obedience, and that got the least, (laughs) that was the least chosen option of all of them. (laughs) So that's like, I guess everybody thinks they got that. Uh, And then there were a number of others, but one that was was significantly more the chosen option on there than any other was understanding the order of training. Um, there was force fetch in there. There was the bird introduction. There was, I don't know, whatever, all that stuff. But the one was the order of training. And I got to thinking about that. And I've seen that a lot in training groups or, or with people, you know, it's like, okay, there's all this stuff I'm supposed to do. And, you know, how do I know when to do what? How do I do that? And so I wanted to make that the topic of discussion because I don't have a, uh, I don't have a, uh, this is one through 10. This is what you do. This is how you do dog training. You know, I know there's a lot of videos and books and stuff that are the how-to stuff. This, this is it. This is the order. This is what you do. I have never been able to do that because it depends on a lot of things. You know, if you're just going through the motions and this, you know, you're just getting this dog and just jamming this stuff down their throat, you know, there's some dogs that'll, that'll work okay with. And there's others it won't. So my own way of doing this and my way of teaching people and what I always pass on is, is ways to create your program or carry out your program in a way that is, one, very meaningful and good for you. And even more importantly, very meaningful and, and good for your dog and very clear. So how, I, I want to go after that. You, you got a dog, I don't care if it's a 10-week-old puppy, you know, or you got a four-year-old dog and you're still trying to train them and do things how do you know what to do when how much I mean that's a that can be very very challenging and the poll kind of showed me that that's still a real difficult thing for people so mostly they just do what somebody who knows more or they think knows more tells them but over the years and I learned my dog stuff the technical stuff force fetch uh, basic obedience, collar conditioning, double T, swim by, all those things. I learned that from people who, what the best there are, and learned what the thinking is and, and you know, what the purpose is and what the steps are and what the evolution is. I learned that really well. But in what I do, which is dogs that are comp- competitive dogs, hunting dogs, pointing dogs, And so we've got the whole retriever aspect and we've got the whole upland aspect. And how do we put that together 
in a way, one that we understand and enjoy. That's important. We have to buy into the stuff that we're doing, but also so does our dog. It's not like you're the dog, you just do what I say. It, it, you get a lot better deal going if you have their buy-in, if, they, uh, <laughs> if they're going along with you and thinking this uh, positively like you are. So for anyone that's read the book that I wrote, the hard copy, the big one, one of the very first things I introduce in there is uh, the priorities. So when you're training a dog, you need to have a set of priorities. When you live your life, we have to have a set of priorities. You know, one is, can I pay the bills and keep a roof over the head and get, I mean, then we have priorities when we raise kids. Hopefully we have priorities in what's the most important thing. And then what we do with them and how we interact with them is based on what is most important. And in dog training, that has always been has always been how I decide what I'm doing and when I'm doing it and how I'm doing it and how much I'm doing it and when I stop and move on and that kind of thing. And it's because I, I myself, spending all the time working with all these dogs, have set out with this way of um, uh, evaluating every approach that I have. And I just want to remind people, because some people are on here and don't even have a clue who I am or what I've done, and I do have 90 grandmasters that I've made, and probably 25% or more of them are four times. And done, you know, I, I've had a field champion, I've made, call, call, made many master, or master hunters. I've never done the HRC stuff, but that's just because there's not enough time in the day. Um, so... I've trained these guys to the highest level successfully in a lot of different kind of dogs. And the way that I've always been able to do that is with this approach. So how do I know what order and how to do things is a little more uh, clear if you, if you kind of have an approach that you understand. And again, you have the priorities. So, and I list those in there and I'm gonna say what they are. I have five, I've listed five priorities. And as with all things, number one is the most important thing. It trumps the rest of them. So if you ever lose one of the earlier priorities, you go back. So let, let me just discuss them real quickly. The first priority is responsiveness. Responsiveness. This goes for a 10-week-old puppy or a 10-year-old dog or a 4-year-old dog. Responsiveness. If you do not have that, you have a dog that is not paying any attention to you, doesn't really care what you say, isn't really going to be very teachable, isn't going to be very uh, receptive to behavioral adjustments or work that's kind of hard. So without responsiveness, you pretty much have nothing. And a lot of people, all their problems stem from that right there. That's the first thing. And of course, with a puppy, if he's developed that from day one and it's not mean you're on a leash and being firm and having discipline that is not what it means it means establishing a relationship between the two of you that's mutually respectful and where the dog learns that you are the most important thing so you've got to have responsiveness first okay after that and i've got all of it right in front of me here responsiveness is the first one for the retrievers retrieving is the second one and there's a reason for that. We don't all want maniacal, 
crazy dogs that will retrieve with all their legs broken. That's not the goal at all. Your dog has some kind of inherent uh, desire to retrieve and you can optimize that or you can smoosh it, but that's what you've got. So what I'm talking about is taking whatever their desire to retrieve is and creating, optimizing it, getting a love and passion for that as much as possible. And that starts early. And the reason for that is because that passion for what they are genetically predisposed to do and to love, and as you know, most of them love it a lot, a lot, a lot, almost to the, you know, to their own, it could be to their own detriment. And so we use that passion as the leverage for more demanding training that's coming down the line. So they're going to do your basic obedience. They're going to get collar conditioned. They're going to get force fetch. They're going to do all the stuff you're going to do because they'll do anything to go play the game that they were destined to do, that they were meant to do. And to have that kind of attitude for all of your subsequent training means that they love the retrieving. So before you do tough work, you throw some happy bumpers and they're like, oh yeah, you know, and they, you kind of get them juiced up and then you do some of your demanding training. And then, well, it's been tough and for both of you. And then you throw some happy bumpers and then they feel better and like, yeah, yeah, this is worth it because I get to do that stuff. So that's why retrieving is number two and it's very important. And if you ever lose that desire or if you squish it down or, you know, you, you shoot a gun when you shouldn't and create bad associations, you've got to go fix that before you can do anything else. Okay, so now we're on to number three for hunters, love of birds. And I have that number three before. We haven't even got into the training stuff, right? You think that I talk about all the time that you'd think I would have right up front. The next thing is love of birds. And what that means is, just like they love retrieving, you know, you throw your little canvas puppy bumper, rolled sock, plastic whatever, fake looking duck. By the way, they know those aren't ducks, just so you know, or quail. When you throw those things, it's the love of retrieving that they're going after that plastic thing. When you introduce them to what it is ultimately you're going to get to retrieve, that is like magic. That is like magic because one, it, that's what they're meant to do. They are predators, right? <laughs> and so this is, we're getting down to their most primal base level and they love that. And for those of you who want good upland dogs, and particularly for those of us with natural pointing dogs, if you want to bring out that behavior it is much easier and more readily brought out when they are little guys and really don't know anything than later when they know a lot of stuff. And now we're trying to, trying to break into this little sealed up spot that could have been enhanced and grown and formed and create this great passion and love for birds, but we never did it. So they're more concerned about doing the right thing than they are about, I get to go out on my own and look for this stuff. Okay, so that, if you break open, especially you pointing guys, if you break that open early and kick that thing in, it is there. And then you can build off of that as you acquire more training tools as you go through your program. So that makes that 
uh, love of birds is, is really important. Uh, anyone that ever tells me, hey, I got a new puppy, it, that, my friends, you know, they'll say, I got this new one. I go, I've got it on birds yet? That's always the first thing I say. I mean, they're like, oh, I better already do it before I get hold of her because I know what she's going to say. There's a reason for that. I mean, I could tell so many stories of little dogs that were put on birds early and, and they pointed and then they quit pointing because they do that kind of thing. But that point was in there. And, you, and man, by the time they were a year old, they were already holding indefinitely because of some other milder training that had come along because we brought it all out. When you haven't brought it out, there's so many steps you have to go through later on when they already know a bunch of stuff. Then you have to... Now it's like, okay, now you don't listen to me so much. And they're like, uh-uh, no, I always listen to you. It's like, no, really, just go ahead and go out there. It's a lot easier done when they don't know stuff. So love of birds, very important for any hunting dog. The fourth one is mental focus. Mental focus. That is the ability to pay attention and to be taught things. It is the ability to get changes in behavior or alterations in what they're doing easily because they are connected with you and they can they can stay on task longer than 1.3 seconds and a lot of people when they have a dog that has almost no ability to focus they just call it oh he's still a puppy but no it's not it's not puppies can focus they can't focus like they can when they're a year old but they can focus if they develop that skill. So if you can develop the skill not by drilling on them and doing basic obedience when they're 10 weeks old. That's not what I'm saying. But if you can teach them to remain on task and stay engaged with it. If you can just imagine, that makes all of your training easier. How many dogs, when some finally somebody goes, you know, I think I'll get this dog on a leash now and it's seven months old or six months old even a crazy five month old and they're trying to get the dog to walk on a leash and the dog acts like it's being tortured right it's just oh my god this is oh i'm dying there's something this is terrible it's and then it's very hard to get him past that and then teach him to sit and then they're still worried and you got all kind of craziness going and they're they are directing the entire training scenario because they never learned what I have to okay what are we doing they've never learned that and then able to engage with you so the ability to focus and stay on task is priceless if you're ever going to teach anything anything now and the last part of that number five is control the last one and this is me miss how's your basic obedience let's get basic obedience first let's do this let's I'm going to say that's that's the final priority because you have everything else in place. The dog pays attention to you. The dog believes whenever you're there or you come and call it and say, we're going to go do something, they think that's important. Not only that, they look forward to it. And because of the retrieving that you developed, because they love that so much, it's like whatever you want, I'm going to do it, man. Let's just make sure we do some retrieving stuff in here. And the bird part, the bird part doesn't factor directly into this. We want that so that when, it, when they, we have a few of the tools now with control we're going to start develop, that we already have an understanding 
of what that bird thing is with those little guys out in the field. Little guys, when they drop, I go get them, I bring them back, all of that kind of stuff. Well, that's already been established. So then when we have them where they can focus, stay on task, pay attention, and be taught things, now we're going to teach them things that are not really that natural. Walking on a leash is not something that canine predators over history have done. Okay, that's not a natural thing. And then sitting, as long as you say, by your side, is not something that they've, they've only started doing that even in a fairly recent history. And then very few of them at that. And then come when called, do these little robotic things, wheel around onto my side, face the same direction, just respond to everything I'm saying and be under control. Sit every time I tell you, come every time I call you. Then of course you get into the force fetch. You talk about something really unnatural, retrieving is very natural. Putting a bumper in your mouth and holding it as long as somebody tells you is not a natural thing. Right? And then fetching anything you say off the ground when you tell them is not a natural thing. All right? So we're going outside of their, their, what all their ancestors have done and teaching them to do something that to them is, is like, what? What is this? So now we're going to teach those things. And of course, the reason that we teach force fetch is so when you shoot a pheasant and it's not quite dead, your dog brings it all the way back to you and you don't lose a wounded pheasant that still flew off for a long ways. So there's, and they don't set stuff down in the mud and they don't play with it and they don't eat it and all these kind of things. So that's one of the other final things that you put on there. And then of course, after force fetch, you get on into the handling and and you woe break dogs when they're old enough and all that stuff, all that control stuff. And the control stuff is far more easily done whenever <coughs> um, all of a sudden they're responsive, they automatically know they gotta pay attention to you, they can focus when you're teaching them something new, they're like, okay, I don't get it, but keep showing me and eventually I, you know, I will understand that. You get all of that. So if you have a set of priorities like that, that kind of guides you in what to do. Now the responsiveness is taught at when you bring them home and you do the walk. And then that's, that's uh, the most valuable training tool that <clears throat> is, there is on the earth as far as I'm concerned. Everything is about you. They stay with you. They pay attention to you. They have the greatest fun in their life with you. And they get to explore the field that ultimately will be as I always refer to it, their heroin field. The place where they just are in ecstasy. So, for you guys with puppies, take the walk, teach the dog that you are the center of all the greatest things in the world. Make sure that that's the highlight of their day, not the other 23 hours jacking around with all the other dogs and kids and playing and all that kind of stuff. Teach them that that's the most important thing. Teach them that watching where you go, going your direction, all those things are its job. It's, it's what it does. If it learns that, it never learns anything else. It never learns to run away. You know, it never learns to tune you out. So responsiveness is really important. And then you keep that going through all your training. Never give a command you're not prepared to enforce. Otherwise, they learn, well, sometimes they mean it, sometimes they don't. So 
I'll just wait till they get mad and then I'll know. Just be very consistent with them. Make sure that you communicate the same things all the time. It takes a little bit of thought. Even though you're not training the dog, you are because they're learning 24 hours a day unless they're sound asleep. So be aware of that so that the dog learns that, hey, there you are. What are we doing? Very, very important. Do the retrieves. Do retrieves. Get a little puppy. More is not better. More is not better. You do several retrieves at best if your dog really likes it. Leave them wanting more. Quit. Tell the next day. Because that way they never get bored. They never start creating ways to make it interesting. They never start running the other direction because they never get enough. So you're just safeguarding all of your training by never throwing too much. That is not the way to get your dog exercise. Get up out the chair. Get out there with your dog. That's how you get it exercise. Not by just standing in one place and throwing something repetitively a zillion times. For any dog. I mean any dog. I, I, that, that goes to everybody. That's just a lazy man's way of... It creates real chaotic, non-focused thinking. So when you do that a lot, they're just like, wow, crazy, spit flying, run out there, kind of come back. Sometimes they throw it at you. Sometimes they make you chase on it, and you throw it again. And there's not a cohesive thought in there. So we want to start developing the focus here at the same time. So through your whole training program, responsiveness is the first thing. If you lose that, if you lose the responsiveness, then you need to stop and don't keep moving down the, the training road when you've lost the thing you have to have. So as a puppy, we do not teach responsiveness by obedience drills. One, they don't understand. Two, they're too young to really put all that together. And three, they're just little guys. Just like we don't do that to little toddler humans. We're not going to do it to puppies. That's what your walk is for and your few retrieves and your thoughtful interactions with them. That's where you teach it. When you have an older dog, you have a year-old or two-year-old dog that has learned to not pay attention to you, to not respond to you, to not come when you call, to tune you out unless you're really mad. The only tool you have to create responsiveness then is going to be obedience. So now we have to go to do the control stuff to force the responsiveness because you didn't create it in that <clears throat> little puppy brain. So therefore, no matter what, if the dog doesn't listen to you, your only go-to on the non-puppy dog, and by non-puppy I mean over six months, and maybe even five months, I don't know, but six months, the only thing you have is you're going to have to go in there and teach them, you must respond to me. When I say sit, you must sit. So when I say, you know, don't break, don't break, and that means sit. A break is a dog not sitting. So once again, it's just obedience if you have a dog that breaks. If a dog doesn't come when you call out in the field, that's obedience. They do not come when called. You don't go correct them in a field where you've never taught them that they have to do that. You go back to basic obedience and teach them, when I call you, you have to come. You do it within six feet of you, not in the final. We don't teach football players how to play football in the state championship we teach them how to play football, you know, when they're in grade school and junior high and they do little drills and they understand all that kind of stuff. That's where we teach. We just go utilize it out in the field. And I strongly don't believe in teaching dogs 
basic obedience. We eat wool and all that out in the field. And that's the final, that's game day stuff. And you need to teach that in the basics, and that's control. So if you don't have responsiveness, that means basic obedience. And not just kind of okay basic obedience, but eat deeply in their head and built into their responses. Basic obedience. So that's how you get responsiveness. That trumps everything. Don't be sitting there throwing all kind of wild, crazy retrieves for your dog that doesn't listen to you. Because now it's even getting the whole problems worse. You're rewarding them not listening to you by the stuff they really love. It, they're not going to get better at listening to you. So that's that deal. If your dog is, you've been doing so much control stuff that when you walk out in the upland field, if you do that, they just stay with you, right? <laughs> it's like, mm, I'm going to stay over here where it's safe. I can't get in any trouble if I just heal next to you and sit when you stop. Okay, so now... <laughs> You've, the control is too much. Yes, you can have that because, you know, if you have an upland dog and it doesn't want to go out in the field and hunt birds, you don't have an upland dog. Again, when you're a puppy, if you do all those things right with puppy, priceless. Priceless. The youngest uh, four-time grandmaster ever, I don't know, 16, 15 months, something like that this last year, was raised exactly like I'm telling you. Did the walk every single day. Did several retrieves every single day, never more. Then was introduced to birds early on, started pointing right off the bat. Got all that, did retrieves. Whoops, obedience got a little, started not coming back. Had to, had to, the focus had been developed through all of that, very thought out. Work, no pressure, no electricity, no healing sticks, none of that stuff. Just bringing the dog up through mentally this whole set of, of things anyway she finished out early going qualified for the national at 16 months 15 months something like that just because that's a good dog obviously but also raised this way so there's no big corrections there's no i gotta what how do i fix that there's none of that stuff that dog doesn't even know what the bad stuff to do is dog doesn't even know about breaking doesn't know about any of that stuff because and not because of any heavy discipline, but just because of this set of priorities that was maintained the entire way through. When you can't build them up just that way, then again, you do what I'm saying. you got to have responsiveness. If they're older, you got to use basic obedience to teach them, you must listen to me. And you get that, and then if they, when you have that, now we're going to go get the retrieving, go out, come straight back, he'll sit next to me every time you don't have choices here we're a team and this is your job and i'll do my job um if you if you have two if you've done it had to really get after the control and the basic obedience and that stuff now you go back in the upland field and the dog is like mm -mm, i'm just going to stay by you that's okay but now what you have to do is go out in your upland field with no rules. I have overdone dogs on control myself. And then they quit. They go out and blink. They go get a bird, uh, find a bird and then turn away. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I just, and so that dog for about three or four weeks, if the dog blinked off, we just, I just went over there and kicked it up and shot it. 
Oh, man, it was just like, okay, no rules out here. No rules. Had to get the love of birds back. Had to get the confidence in the field back. Did. It took about three or four weeks. Did. Then slowly eased the control back in. Um, never corrected and did bad stuff out in the field, especially with that dog. And, of course, he went on and became a multiple grandmaster. Just by keeping the priorities in the right way. The focus... The focus on a puppy is easy because you just when you teach them to be responsive to you and pay attention and stay on task, you have focus. If you don't, if you have a dog that just tunes you out and does its own thing because it thinks that's okay, because it learned that that was okay, you're going to have to come in like you had an ADHD dog and start your control stuff, your basic obedience, only maybe for a minute or two at most at a time. So for a minute, by enforcing, enforcing things the first time they hear something, they have to do it. You don't want a bunch of yammering and time, and you want that real short synapse path. And you start with a minute or two, and then you slowly, as the dog begins to gain that skill, you can expand it. It'd be like someone who'd never sat in a classroom in their life. And at the age of 13, you said, all right, you're going to sit in this classroom and listen to grammar. Or we're going to do math, right? Oh, man, you're going to have them for about two or three minutes, right? And then they're already zoned out because they've never learned to sit there and remain focused on something that's not tremendously exciting for an extended period of time. And you do the same thing with dogs, just like that. And so that's how you do the focus. And then, so if you've had to go use your control to establish your responsiveness, now you still keep this up. So in all your training program, if, you, if, you're, if their interest in retrieving is waning, you've got to go, get, get, go back and get that. And that means the control and the focus part gets set aside a little bit. Let's get this dog where it really enjoys this because that way we can go back and start doing more demanding things. But if they don't, then you're just basically pounding them into it. And then when you do have those things, the dog is responsive, loves to retrieve, does whatever the bird stuff you want it to do, has the ability to be taught things, then we force fetch, we collar condition, we, you know, do go into the handling stuff, which comes down the line. You can't, everyone that goes, I got my dog taking hand signals at five months. Not the way that I would say. <laughs> it just thinks if it goes the direction your arm is flung, something it likes is going to happen. It, that's not really handling. But anyway, when you can start doing really nice handling is when you have those all those priorities there established in the right order, and now you can proceed. And then, of course, you know, force fetch, double T, all that stuff. Like, learn from really good people. Don't just ad-lib because sometimes you can kind of get stuff backwards. But how you decide your training program and when to move ahead and when to not move ahead is just by saying, where, I at, where am I on this scale? That's how you do it. I've done it a zillion times. And sometimes if you kind of overdo something or underdo something, because I've done all of them, I know every mistake you can make, right? That's when you go, I need to go back. This dog isn't even painted. Doesn't even, I have to drag him out here. They hate this stuff. Golly, I'm going to go back and do the walk and just do some retrieves and get some happy stuff going here. 
etc etc so i hope that's helpful it, it takes a little bit of thought you know because it's not a recipe it doesn't tell you this is just how you do this stuff but it sure does work to get your dog from the beginning to the end without bad habits without corrections with all the nasty stuff and a dog that buys in and loves every bit of it so that's today's podcast and uh I'm going to put some more polls on there because I really like to see what people that I don't really ever get to see or talk to think and say about this stuff. So I hope everybody's doing well. Spring is going to be here sometime. I hope soon. Meanwhile, everybody stay safe and uh, healthy and happy, and I'll be back next week.